And uh, what a cool name for a church, live stream. We are live streaming, right? I mean, it would be a sad day if we were live streaming and we're not live streaming, you know what I'm saying? So uh, what, a, what a joy it is and five years into the journey and you guys have just gotten this building. And so uh, exciting days ahead in Jesus' name. Well, we were, we've been actually, we were in a building project and, uh, you know, we've seven, seven years into our church planting journey and uh, there was this building that came along and there was all sorts of changes and things that we needed to make. And there was a moment where literally we ran out of money. And it was like, God, you got to lead us. And and there was a message, literally a thought, an idea that came to me one morning as I was waking up and it was called a second time. And that's what I want to speak into. And literally out of that, uh, I felt like God answered us. I mean, three weeks we saw whatever we needed and more and above over what we needed miraculously come. So I want to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 17. By the way, I bring greetings from my wife, Leah. We've got three daughters eight three and two so i'm looking forward to hanging out with them after this in jesus name first king 17 this is what it says and elijah the tishbite of the inhabitants of gilead said to ahab as the lord god of israel lives before whom i stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word then the word of the lord came to him saying get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook which flows into jordan and it will be that you shall drink from the brook and i've commanded the ravens to feed you there so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook which flows into Jordan. Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him. Another translation says the second time saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Why don't we pray? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that when your word is spoken, things begin to happen. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, as I speak generally, that you would speak specifically into situations and into circumstances. Lord, I give you complete authority. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. Lord, I say, come one more time. And I, I give you complete authority from the front to the back, from the left to the right. We surrender our hearts. Our minds are open. Our hearts are ready. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. First Kings 17, what an incredible story. I don't know if you know the story. I don't know if you ever read the story. Now, I want to say something to you. I am a very insecure preacher. I started preaching just a couple of months ago. So uh, I, I want you to like nod at me or say something or clap, even if it's like laugh at like my horrible jokes or whatever. Uh, just make me feel at home. Is that okay? Yeah, there we go. It's already happening. First Kings First Kings 17, you got to time it though, right? But First Kings, First Kings 17, First Kings 17, Elijah is living in a time of recession. There's all these things happening and he gets a word from God, word number one. And the first word was, go to this particular brook. This brook is going to quench your thirst. It's going to take care of, 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 of you during this time. And then God says something interesting. God says to him, and then ravens are going to bring you breakfast in the morning and breakfast in the evening now I can understand that God would provide through a brook but when I begin to read the scripture a couple of weeks ago I was arrested by the idea that God would use ravens I mean the closest that could like I do not know if there are ravens in Toowoomba the closest that could come to a raven would be like a magpie you know what I'm saying it's like of all the birds in the animal kingdom God uses ravens like why, why couldn't God use like doves? You know what I'm saying? Like they look nice or something more exotic like a peacock. 
You know what I'm saying? Like it would be it would be more Instagram worthy to to take a photo of a peacock and post it online. You know, I, I, I begin to think about this. Just just think about this idea. Ravens. I mean, ravens are scavengers. They are they got the reputation of taking food from people as opposed to giving food to anybody. And so as I was reading this text, a couple of things began to jump up at me, which is that firstly that when God opens a source, it comes in a way and in a form that we least expect. So many times we'll say, hey, maybe it could be that person, or it could be this situation, or it could be that thing that I'm going for. Uh, but, but when God provides, He sometimes brings it from the most unlikely of places, from the most wildest of situations. He does it. And the reason why God does that is because He does not want the person or the thing or the opportunity to get the glory but rather he gets the glory. And what an incredible story where the, the raven is coming. And I was imagining this. I'm a bit of a, one of those, I'm a bit of a person, what you call an imagineer. An imagineer is someone who puts an imagination on everything. And, and I was reading my Bible. I was imagining 5 p.m. People have visited Prophet Elijah. They're probably having a little mini prayer meeting. And they rock up to his house and it's 5.15. It's 5.20, 5.25, 5.27, 5.32. 5.41. Elijah's not even going to the kitchen. They're like, Elijah, you got to be a bit hospitable. We know you're a prophet, but we were at, at your home. And Elijah says, just wait and see. And literally 5.57, a school of ravens arrive with dinner at the doorstep. People don't know if they want to eat or if they want to take photos of this work of nature, right? And this is incredible. I've heard of Uber Eats. I've not heard of Uber Ravens. And so this is what is happening. And you know, like every time people are in a prayer meeting, people ask, does anybody have a story to share? You know, Elijah takes out his phone and, and you know, he's showing all the birds that keep dropping all the food that God keeps providing. And everybody, this guy's got, when Elijah, when they go out for dinner, it's like sort of like Elijah, this guy's got a story, right? He's the guy with the story until in verse 7 of 1 Kings 17, my Bible says, and then the brook dried up and the ravens stopped coming. What do you do when a door that God opens suddenly shuts? And I want to speak into that this morning because there are people in this room that have seen God move. Uh, as I look across, I see and I see faces and I see Bibles opened and journals opened and obviously people have been in church for a period of time and maybe it's your first time. It does not matter, but in some capacity we've all seen God move in some way but it's one thing when when a, when a man when a man-made door shuts it's a whole nother thing when a God door shuts and that's literally what is happening and I found myself even in my own life and I've been serving God where it was a God idea it was a God thing and then it shuts and we get embarrassed about it we don't want to talk about it because we feel like we don't want God to have a bad reputation. But the reality is if, you, if you've been walking with God for longer than six months or 12 months, there's been moments where God has spoken and God has provided, but yet the same source, the same provision, some way, somehow dries up. Now, if you haven't had that, enjoy your honeymoon, but we'll talk in three months, maybe listen to this message then. But for the rest of us, we've all had those moments where it's like, God, I thought you were going to do this. God, you provided this way, but what, what's happened here? And I want to talk to people that have experienced what you call a brook dried up moment. The brook that God provided, the source that God 
gave. It could be, I mean, let's let's get real. It could be a healing situation where once you were healed and once something happened, or maybe it was a prophetic word where something was yet to happen, it happened, but it did not happen. And you're like, what is going on? And, and you begin to wonder what, what happens. And, and, and I begin to I begin to I begin to put myself in the shoes of Elijah. And I begin to ask the question, what would Elijah do? If Elijah was living today, and if Elijah read the books that we read and went to the conferences that we go to and click on the YouTube videos that we binge on, what would Elijah do? Elijah would go to the brook. He'd start, he'd start quoting scriptures. He'd start prophesying. He'd start casting out. Then he'd start casting in. He'll think about calling down fire, but that's probably not good for the water. Uh, he, he, will, he will start naming he'll start claiming he'll start proclaiming he'll start saying your kingdom come your will be done all that you would rent open the heavens all sorts of things right but what i love about the story is that the bible says that the word of the lord came to elijah a second time but the second time the manner in which it came was different to the first time and i think so many people in church are stuck because they've seen god move once in their life in a particular way and they think that's the only way God is going to move but my Bible says that God is doing a new thing which means he's not going to repeat what he did the first time and I think so many times we get stuck because we say God I remember that moment I remember how I felt I remember the endorphins that were released in my brains when I had that miracle but yet now I feel disappointed I feel depressed I feel anxious but friend I want to encourage you it's a new day it's a new year we've just stepped into month number two of 2023 and I literally believe that this is a prophetic message for some of you that we serve a God who does not just speak once but we serve a God who speaks the second time by this point I thought there would be at least an, a few more amens a bit more clapping but maybe you're very spiritual and you're taking notes so I'll keep going see the thing is so many times we think that the goodness of God's presence in our life is by what he gives but how do I put it a lot of pastors say God guides by what he provides. I say God guides by what he withholds. Yes, we are in Neal Street, so I know there are some Bible nerds here. So let's try and use the Bible to explain this. Luke, Jesus says to the disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. But then he says, wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, they come together, 120 people, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They speak in unknown tongues. And then the Bible says 3,000 get added to the church. How many think that's a great day? How many think it would be a great day if 3,000 people rock up today? You know what I'm saying? 3,000 people are added to, added to the church. Peter looks at John and says, man, we can finally be in full-time ministry. And then they say, why do we have to do church on Saturdays or Sundays? Why don't we have church every day? So they have church every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They're gathering together every day. They're having what you call a revival. There's nothing wrong with a revival. They're having revival. Acts chapter 3, they're having a revival. Acts chapter 4, they're having a revival. The only problem is in Acts chapter 4, they're four years into when God added 3,000 to the church. They're four years into when the Holy Spirit came upon them. So the devil looks at this and he says, you know what? I'm going to destroy the church. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get people to hate Jesus and hate these Jesus followers. And I'm going to send this thing called persecution. And so the devil begins to birth hatred in the hearts of religious leaders and political leaders. And all of a sudden, these guys get arrested. And these guys get thrown in jail and all sorts of things, right? God looks at what the devil is doing. God says, aha, uh -huh, 
this could be the greatest church planting strategy because now they cannot meet together so they'll go to Ephesus and they'll go to Antioch and they'll go to Europe and they'll go literally go to the ends of the earth that we sang it this morning already I'm just coding it now that which the enemy meant for evil God will turn around for good the brook that dried up in your world I'm not sure how it dried up but God can change that God can use that and God can open a new way and a new door for you in Jesus name I want you to understand that so many times we start feeling I'm rejected oh wow you know God you close this door has been shut oh there's some sin in my life or maybe I did not pray enough and Maybe I didn't do my 32 minutes in tongues yesterday. Maybe, maybe I did not listen to that song long enough. Maybe, and, and we start examining ourselves. Could it be that God is shifting things? Could it be that God is moving things on behalf of you? The second person that's going to help us convince this idea, it's literally one thought that I have, but I'm just going to use some characters in the Bible. Literally, this is in the Word. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. It says, the Word of the Lord came to Jonah. What does it say? A second time. Literally, it's in the, in, in the scripture. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Let's talk about Jonah. How did Jonah arrive here in Jonah chapter 3? I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've been in church long enough, but Jonah gets a bad rap. Like, is anybody's name in this place Jonah? Like, like mostly there's not, unless like you were really disliked by a parent, right? But I remember growing up when I would do something naughty or when I was a bit disobedient, my mom would always say, Alwyn, don't do a Jonah. Jonah has his reputation of the guy that does everything in the opposite direction. But I want to redeem Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1, Jonah was actually quite a successful pro prophet. Jewish scholars say that Jonah was so successful that God was actually extending his ministry. And God was saying to them, him that you've been faithful in Israel. I'm about to send you to Nineveh. I want you to preach the message of repentance because they're living in sin and all sorts of things. And so Jonah says, you know what? I'm a bit burnt out. I've been serving God, I've been faithful, I've been going to this conference and now they've got this, 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 this evangelistic crusade thing happening in Toowoomba with an evangelism training in church. Like how many times does Pastor Peter want me in church, right? I'm here already on a Sunday, right? So he's like, I'm going to use this transition as an excuse to have a bit of a break. So you know what Jonah does? Jonah buys a ticket and goes to a whole other place. But let's, let's, let, let's learn some geography this morning. You know where Nineveh is? modern day Iraq do you know where Jonah travels to Spain I like this guy he's like you know what if I'm gonna be on fire for God I'm gonna be on fire for God if I'm gonna sin I'm gonna do it in style you know what I'm saying a whole nother continent not even in the proximity not even in a like a hundred K radius of God's assignment he's like I'm gonna go all the way I'm gonna go on a Mediterranean cruise have some shrimps you know what I'm saying no one's gonna bother me and literally what happens in John chapter 2 most of you know the story all hell breaks loose and Back in the day, they weren't as politically correct as we are. There was no Twitter for Jonah to put an update. They, they make an executive decision and they literally throw Jonah off the ship. And in, in Jonah chapter 2, literally what happens is the Bible says that a, a fish, I mean, this gets crazy. The Bible's a crazy book. <laughs> a fish literally swallows Jonah. And, and I want you to picture this, right? This is, my, this is my thoughts, and I want, I'll share with you why I think this way. That the moment Jonah began to disobey God, God speaks to a fish somewhere in the Indian Ocean, says, Mr. Fish, I know it's breeding season, 
but you, you, I created you, so I need you to get your eyes off Mrs. Fish. I need you to take a left turn. I need you to swim all the way to somewhere where the Mediterranean is because there's going to be some sort of a shipwreck and there's literally going to be a guy that's going to be thrown overboard. When he is thrown, I need you to open up your mouth. I need you to, I know he's not on your menu, but for today, that's what's on the menu. You're not going to eat him though. You're going to literally swallow the guy. Because church, literally what happens in Jonah chapter 3 is even though Jonah was disobedient, the fish was obedient. And the fish positioned him into where God needed him to be. I wish more people in church had faith in God than they have in Google Maps. How many of you use Google Maps? And you take a wrong turn because you're in Toowoomba and there's like 72 cafes here. When I, when I moved here like 18 years ago, there was no cafe. It was coffee club or Mac Cafe, you know what I'm saying? And now it's like cafe fest over here. And so you're driving through town and all of a sudden you want to grab a coffee and you take the wrong turn. Google Maps never says to you, you're such a horrible driver. You're so distracted. You probably need to like have counseling or something because you've got ADHD. Never says that. What does Google Maps say? Google Maps literally recalculates and let me tell you I'm not saying this to give you an excuse to live the way you want to live but what I believe is we serve a God whose goodness far exceeds our our indecision or rather our wrong decision that when we make a wrong turn all of heaven begins to recalculate and reroute our life into where we need to be the reason I'm convinced with this is because in Jonah chapter 2 the Bible uses a specific word in the New Living Translation this is what it says and God arranged a fish I don't know about you but I don't like that word arranged because when I read that and when I was growing up I saw that as punishment but scripture informs me that was an arrangement see some of you are right now in an arrangement that you do not necessarily like or you do not necessarily approve of but could it be possible that God is rearranging your life that he's using circumstances beyond you out of your control that you have no authority over that you cannot even speak into he's causing situations to arrange things around you're like why did i lose that job why did my business go south why is that happening in my relationship why did, i thought by this time i would be this far friend could it be that God is arranging things on behalf of you. And especially if you're in a place, and this is only probably 10%, 20% of you that might catch this this morning, but especially if you're in a place where you feel like everything in your life is out of your control, you could be a perfect candidate for a God arrangement. Because when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he did not feel like he was in control. He did not feel like he, ha he could say or do anything, right? And, and I, want you to, I, I want you to understand this because some of us are feeling like my life is so far from the will of God. My life is so away from where God has for me. But I need you to understand that the moment you pray, the moment you call upon and the moment you say, God, I need you, already heaven has made arrangements on behalf of you that God will activate and reposition you into where you need to be. So many times in my own life, even as I've been serving God and walking with God, I feel like I'm so far away from where God needs me to be. But if my heart is aligned, if my heart is inclined, if my heart is drawn to Him, as I look back over the years, I realize that a lot of times it was because I, I complained. It was not because I was not in God's will, but rather because I was not in control of His will for my life. 
and I've looked back and I've seen that he has made arrangements on behalf of me one clap that's okay no no don't clap no you lost your chance you lost your chance lost your chance well don't know that that doesn't count that doesn't count I deleted that memory from my brain you will clap in approximately two minutes have you ever wondered how did a nation like Nineveh that has never heard about God receive Jonah as a prophet have you ever wondered that I mean Israelite kings would keep prophets out of their palaces but yet Jonah goes into a foreign nation called Nineveh that's never heard about this God and he gets primetime audience with the king the nation repents literally listen to this the nation repents to such a degree that they fast like Israel has never fasted I don't know if you know this even the animals fasted like mr. cow there's nothing on the menu today mrs. horse there's nothing on the menu I mean the animals are fasting because of the message of Jonah how does that even happen like we read the Bible and we're like oh yeah God's amazing God can do anything right and God can do anything but I want to break this down to you I want to give you an idea I want to help you understand something that you've probably never seen in Scripture do you know who was the most celebrated God of Nineveh the most celebrated God of Nineveh was a God called Dagon do you know what Dagon is if you google them you'll see the picture Dagon is fish God the smart people got it but I'll keep going and so when Jonah arrives on the beach on the bank of Nineveh when he saw his when he saw the fish he saw his sin but when people saw the fish they saw their Savior see the reason I'm saying this is because there's so many of you that are never not willing to step into what God has for you today because you're looking at the regrets and the decisions and the guilt and the sin and the shame of yesterday but church here's what I've learned over the years that God you the greatest anointing of your life is not unleashed from your strengths is not unleashed from your merits the greatest anointing of your life is unleashed from your brokenness is unleashed from your trauma is unleashed from your pain and so if you're in this place and if you've had stuff that's happened to you and you feel like if people knew what really happened if people understood what I've been through and what I've had to walk through I need you to understand that is going to be the place where God is going to use you the most greatest and that is going to be the place where God is going to touch the lives around you in Jesus name now you can clap it's such an important truth right because so many times we just we, we, we spend our lives trying to impress God and God is saying no 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 I already know what you're gonna do and I've already made calculations in place and I'm going to realign you and I'm going to reposition you and this is why I believe there are so many of you where God is saying I want to speak to her I want to speak to him a second time we serve a God who does not just speak once we serve a God who speaks a second time think about the goodness of God like like I know pastor Peter is amazing but if Jonah was in my church and he came back repenting he'd have to sit in the last row probably do car park probably be back in Bible college I wouldn't let him lay hands on anybody but the goodness of God think about it the moment he repents God says you know what I'm reassigning you I'm repositioning you 
I'm re-anointing you. I'm putting you back. And this is what God is saying. Some of you in this place, there was a time in your life where you were doing things for God and life just happened. Maybe you got married. Maybe you got kids. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's a health situation. But church, I want to encourage you. If God's given you a word, even if it was 30 years ago, even if it was 50 years ago, even if it was 20 years ago, the word of God shall not return void. He's a God who does not just speak once, but He's a God that speaks a second time. And I believe the reason why I'm here this morning is to remind you one more time that His goodness and His mercy is way better than our behavior. And He's calling us and He's saying, stand up, shake off the dust, remove the fish vomit, and step into your assignment of everything that I have for you in Jesus' name. He's a good God. He really is. He really, really is. One more person is going to help us because sometimes it's not guilt that we struggle with but rather it's grief and in first samuel chapter 16 verse 1 this is what it says and the lord said to samuel how long will you mourn for saul since i've rejected him as king over israel fill your home with oil and be your way i'm sending you to jesse to of bethlehem i've chosen one of his sons to be king what's the context the context is samuel was a good man and 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 he had word number one Word number one, it was king number one. King number one was Saul. And he, and he called this guy, King Saul, to be the king of Israel, the first king, right? But then King Saul stuffed up. There was pride in his heart. and He was not willing to repent and turn to God. And literally what happens is through a series of events, he gets rejected. And then Samuel falls into this place where he begins to grieve. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because even as I pastored a church, in my church, we've had people over these last few years with COVID and all that, but friends of theirs have stopped coming to church. Friends of theirs have removed them from groups and Facebook and social media. I know it doesn't happen in Toowoomba. You guys are like the blossom of God's sunshine, right? So it doesn't happen here. But back in Brisbane, we got some carnal people in church. And so so people, like we, I've had people that, that, that love the Lord, but the pain of losing people, the pain of losing friendships, the, the pain of failed projects, the pain of failed ministries, the pain of failed things that they started out for God and they carry grief. And I feel like I want to ask you this morning the same words, the echo the same words that God spoke to Samuel, which was, how long will you mourn for that loss? And I love the graciousness of God because He does not say, get up. He doesn't say, grow up. He doesn't say, what's wrong with you? He literally asks the question, how long? Is there a date of expiry to the grief that you carry? And church, I want to ask you this question because as some of you have even come into this church, maybe you're sort of like, I, I want to follow God, and I want, but I'm not sure because it's been a long time since I've been in church. Uh, there was once upon a time when I did things for God, but I'm not sure. I, I do not know. I've been hurt, so I don't trust people that much. But I want to ask you this question this morning. How long will you mourn? God is a God who removes the grief. God is a God. And I love what God says to Samuel. Fill your cup. Fill your horn with oil. In other words, friend, this is what I believe God is saying. That for, the, for, the, for, the, for the disappointment that you have, for the grief that you carry, there is a new anointing. There is an oil of joy. There is an oil of gladness. In my presence, there is fullness of joy. And in my presence, He calls you a second time. He's saying, son, I'm calling you one more time. Daughter, I'm calling you one more time don't deny my presence see so many of us we don't have to be held captive because we hold ourselves captive 
we've imprisoned us ourselves in our thoughts in our insecurities we've disqualified ourselves from what God has for us but let me tell you church God is looking for you he's saying no don't restrict yourself from entering into my presence don't restrict yourself you know so many times even as a pastor sometimes I feel like oh God uh, uh, I feel far from you and you know what I start doing anytime I feel far from God I start praising God because praise is not conditioned on my behavior praise is not conditioned on my performance praise is not conditioned on how spiritual I was or how righteous I feel but praise is conditioned on the goodness of God and so I say God you're good yes I'm bad but you're good God you're merciful yes I was crazy but God you're merciful God you're generous yes God I was a bit selfish but God you're generous and as I say that the presence of God just permeates my room begins to permeate my office begin to permeate my home but what the enemy does is he allows grief and he allows guilt and he allows disappointment and he allows rejection to cripple us and to handicap us and to handcuff us from lifting these hands in praise. But church, this morning, I believe, even as I've been speaking to you, shackles have literally been falling off this room where you felt like grief is being lifted off, guilt is being removed, and, and, and that disappointment is being, being, being forgotten. Because friend, I want you to know that we serve a God who speaks to us not just once we serve a God who speaks to us the second time that's the God we call upon that's the God we call upon I thank you Jesus for your presence I thank you God that you are here Lord we worship you we thank you for your goodness and your mercy we thank you God that Lord you are so much better than we think you are We've sung songs about your goodness, but we will take all of eternity and beyond to really know the depth of your love for us. And Lord, this morning we fix our eyes on you, not our eyes on ourselves, on our lack, on our problem, on our situation, on our circumstance. We fix our eyes on you because you will not leave us stranded. Man might reject us, but God will not.